Welcome, everybody, to The Real Deal Podcast. I'm Maddie Marshall, and I am pretty stoked to have Marcella Margot of the Los Angeles Ironman here in the studio with us. And we are coming up real quick here on the PSP Chicago Open. Real excited about the third event, 2013, because things are heating up. Dynasty's won the first two events. There's a lot of teams nipping at their heels and wanting some glory for themselves. And Marcelo's team, the Ironman, is definitely one. So we're going to get into that, get Marcelo's thoughts on you know pretty much you know as much as we can within the <laughs> time frame that we have. And uh, you know definitely go to paintballaccess.com. Let your friends know. Share our content, man. We got just so many. There's so much going on in the industry. It's really fascinating all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, uh, you know, during practice and in the minds of these guys and, and teams and players that are doing this at every level of the game. And, you know, the statistics are, are shaping up real interesting this year. Bobby Avilas is the number one guy heading into Chicago. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people that want that Top Gun crown. So, uh, and also this podcast is brought to you by NSGear.com. They got everything you need. So, yeah, it's it's gonna it's already been a crazy year. Paintball's just interesting. There's always Absolutely. stuff that's going on. There's always stories there, and you know, once you just start to to, to kind of peel the curtain back a little bit, um, you know, there's just a lot to kind of delve into there. And also, definitely get your team in, uh, into the fight early for the uh, the West Coast Open. Man, I'm really happy that you know, obviously because we live in San Diego, so <laughs> <laughs> it kind of helps out when the event's gonna be in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, in Riverside. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's hopefully it's not. It shouldn't rain. It's, you never know with the way that these are knock on some wood real quick. But yeah, that event. Uh, so the PSP West Coast Open's coming uh, the 16th through the 18th of August, and definitely you know the, the events have all been selling out this year. So you want to make sure that you get your team signed up as soon as possible. And there's also tons of affiliate events for the PSP too. So you know go to PSP.com, PSPEvents.com, and regardless of where you live in the world, there's probably some sort of affiliate program that you can play and uh, and get into the fight, man. You want a good life experience? Go play a paintball tournament. Speaking of life experiences, you know, Marcelo, you're only 22, kind of going on about 32, I'd say, though. Feels right? like it now, right? Maddie. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, so before we kind of get into what you think about what's going on in the league with other teams, and you know, let's talk about the Ironman real quick. Okay. What's you know, you, you guys put together a superstar roster this year on paper, you know, and uh, but it, it was. You know, I'll give you my own thoughts of, of what's going on with the team, but you know, it is one of those really interesting stories. You have a legendary team, arguably, you know, it, for sure, top three of the most legendary teams that have ever played the game, and very successful uh, over over the span of the years. You won world championships with the Ironmen when you were coming up the ranks, when you were essentially just kind of a kid, you know, mm -hmm. and and really kind of cut your teeth on that team, and then you know, bounced around a little bit after that. But now you guys have come back. You have a new coach with Mike Kimmon as of this year or the end of last year in 2012. And so, you you know, you you were in the running for the Top Gun last year and you narrowly missed out uh, when you were playing for Moscow Red Legion. And then you also picked up Alex Goldman, who's historically one of the best snake players. Yeah, and, and, you know, I played with Alex Goldman since I was 12 years old. He was on one of my first paintball teams ever. So, mm -hmm. you know, playing on the same team with him again is obviously um, a plus and something that I've been looking forward to. I just don't feel that we've been utilizing ourselves, you know, the way that we can. Mm -hmm. So when you say not utilizing yourself the way that you can, what do you mean by that, really? I think the both of us need to be attacking more. I think... Um, you know, Mouse is more of a, a lead snake player. That's where his strongest, strongest uh, 
parts of his game are, and I play strongest on the Dorito side. And I think this year we've both kind of gone back and forth being the twos, sometimes the threes, and instead of being the ones that actually set the tone for the match, we've been more of role players. And, you know, we're just, we've been trying to feel things out and have been trying to, you know, figure, figure what pieces work in what places. And I, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting close. We've had some really good practices um, at both tournaments. You know, we've lost a dynasty Sunday morning and yeah. they go on to win the tournament and, and they've been exciting games. So I don't think we're too far off. Yeah, I don't. That's, I think with, with your team that, I mean, I want to still pick your head as to why you guys haven't kind of, how it hasn't mm-hmm. catalyzed as quick as that you, as you guys have wanted it to be, uh, as you guys have wanted it to kind of meld mm-hmm. together. Um, but I think that the biggest thing with Ironman, man, is that like, you really don't need to put so much pressure on yourselves. Absolutely. You know, because it's, it's been a huge thing. Yeah, I, I think so too, because, you know, I think that that was, you, you know, they're obviously on the field. There's numerous things you could kind of point out specifically, but I think just kind of as an overall theme for the team is that having put so much pressure on your guys or on yourselves to, to do well right away, you know, mm-hmm. you made some, some changes to the lineup and, and, uh, people were making bets and yeah, I mean, we got <laughs> all mouse, sorts of stuff, mouse betting guns on, on, on player. Yeah. Rankings. Let's not forget about that. Max trailer, Zach wake Dalton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, not, let's definitely not forget about that. So yeah, I mean, how, so based on the stats, I mean, basically he's got what, four guns on the line, four guns on the line. He's got, he's, he's got a bet out with me as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. So, we got a friendly gentleman's bet. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he's sitting at, um, I think he's got trailers behind him and um dalton's in front of him wakes behind him and you're in front of him hmm. but they're they're all pretty close right dalton uh dalton wake mouse yeah, they're, they're fairly close they're all i mean so, if, if so it's a race this, so basically here's the bet the bet is alex goldman mouse uh you know he's a beast out there and so mighty he, mouse he, yeah he he kind of you know was was running his mouth a little bit at the beginning of the year, about, as he does, of, as he does about what type of year he was going to have, and and uh, and 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 honestly, that's not really that. I mean, he was 16th last year, I think, or 12th. I can't remember. 12th, exactly. 12th I think. He was 12th. So he's 12th overall last year, which was which is pretty damn good, man. I mean, if you're ranked 12th out of the entire league, like that's a solid. And point. he was considered to have a, a poor season last year as well. Exactly. You know, that's a, that's the type of player that Alex is. So yeah. So in a situation where he. You know the critics and everyone kind of staring and analyzing his play didn't think that he had a great year. He takes you know 12 on the top gun rent runnings. Then yeah, logically it would make sense if you're going to put some bets on some guns because that could be mm-hmm. a really good Christmas one. Oh yeah, after, absolutely. After the, the season's <laughs> over in October, or, or it could be a pretty bad Christmas. Or it could be a pretty bad Christmas. <laughs> one of the two. Make sure not to sell all your guns. Well, and, and also and in that situation, yeah, you got so it's it's a Max Trailer from Upton 187 crew, mm-hmm. and you know he switched sides. And honestly, I think Max is playing really well you know if you look at uh i mean he's not statting as high as as you know some other front players on the snake side of the field and but you know also max trailer this is only his second year in the league yeah absolutely um, but it was actually the bet's not with max the bet is with nick, nick laval yeah Laval-Ball. that's right yeah. that's right max is the one putting up the gun i believe oh uh, no nick's putting the gun up nick's putting the gun up on his boy okay max. that's right that's yeah, what it was so, i remember something nick like that. Had heard, talk about the blind faith right there well, i mean nick i love that heard, you know nick i love nick's great and nick had heard uh he had heard the kind of the challenge that mouse had put out there yeah. mouse just put out about any, I'll bet any pro player in the league. Put everyone on blast. Everyone, anyone, I'll take the bet. And then, uh, and then so, you know, 
they, <laughs> I think so I was, Nick stepped up. Nick was like, all right, I got my boy. Yeah, you know? I, I like that. Uh, I, like I remember that. getting that text message, and he's like, hey, can you get me in touch <laughs> get with me Mouse? Because I want to bet on my boy, Max. And, uh, and now 187's <laughs> coming back into the Champions Division. Uh, rightfully so. I think they deserve to be in the Champions Division. I'm glad to see them fight their way back up. Um, I like watching that team play. You know, I was definitely rooting for them. I think they, they lost to Vicious in the last one, um, but still coming up into the Champions Division. And, I mean, every time we've played them, whether it's with the Russians last year or the Ironmen this year, um, last year they brought us into overtime, the very first tournament. And uh, every game has been a battle with them. You know, it's, it's coming down to the little things. I think it's kind of similar with our team. I think the reasons are different, but similar things are happening. They're getting really close to these wins and then just not able to close the deal. Mm-hmm. And another thing with with 187 is that I think that they needed to needed to have their talent develop a little bit more so they could have the depth to contend with the top teams. Absolutely. Because they have a homegrown roster. They haven't gone mm-hmm. out and picked up anybody. They have no big name players on the team. Um, they're starting to develop. Not yet. Some, yeah, exactly. They're starting to develop into some names that will, you know, that I think are starting to deserve a lot of praise. But one of the guys I think that is uh, on that team is Jenkel. And that guy's had, I don't know, he's another one of those guys you, probably most people don't know his name. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's, I think, really elevated his level of play from 2012 from last season where you had guys like Eddie Painter, Dan Zaleski, Max Trailer, Nick Laval doing the majority of the work, honestly, for 187. Mm-hmm. But if they get a couple of these other guys, these role players, to really step up and elevate their level of play, man, that could be a scary team. 100%. You know, because then you, now you got all, I mean, you know how it is. You have to, you need five weapons out there. If you don't have five weapons on the field at all times, you're going to struggle. And you need players, different players, to step up at different times of the game, you know, to create opportunities or take advantage of opportunities. And it can't always be one player, you know, um, and the timing of it just has to be right. And I think that's been Dynasty's key to success this year is just at different points in the tournament, one dude, you know, it's never been the same dude, whether it's Tyler or Kyle Spica, Ryan Greenspan, Oliver, Yosh, it's been all of them, you know, at different points in the event, step up and have a big game that's game changing. So yeah, uh, I think that's huge. And look at look at Alex Frazier. I mean, Alex Frazier had Alex had Frazier, quite yeah, the for, year mm-hmm. that everyone else was having. And then in the finals, first point, he goes out there and shoots like three guys, yeah. and you know gets that first crucial point on the board in the finals. And they got a couple more, and then they just they had that lead the whole yeah. game. You know, and there's mm-hmm. nothing they could do it. So it's, and I think that we, you know we've talked about this before. I think we even mentioned it on previous podcasts, but. You know, right now for Dynasty, it doesn't matter who gets shot. I think you could really boil down their success to that particular sentence. You know, it really doesn't matter who gets shot on their team because, mm-hmm. you know, when I was I was over in uh, Paris not too long ago at the CPS event and uh, and Art Chaos was playing, they won that event, and it you know it's a great series. It's a kind of um, a lot of teams use it to like get ready for the millennium. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's right. one of those like regional tournament mm-hmm. series, and it was uh, there's two things that. But as I was watching in general, that, that stood out was the increased level overall of the play from Europeans. Like I was, oh, really the impressed. talent is getting so much better. I, I go over there and I'm just amazed. You know, it's it's top level paintball, really. I mean, they've got some really good teams over there. They play so aggressive. Very aggressive. Very aggressive. Yeah. And I like that style. You know, the games are really fast. Um, I'm not sure. How does the CPS do it? Do they do 10 balls a second like the Millennium? Yeah, I think it's yeah. 10 balls a second. Uh, they run uh, t- two games at a time, so four teams are okay. playing at once. 30 seconds in between points. Um, so, and the teams are very aggressive. I mean, even the teams that went up like, okay, it's 4-0 in a race to five. They're still going. Yep. <laughs> See who we can bunker. Yeah. You know, I w- so it was thoroughly yeah. enjoying, or it was definitely a joy to watch these teams play. 
and because it was very entertaining. You know, those guys were able to play really aggressive, and uh, and it was you know pretty cool to see. And then the thing with Art Chaos is that you know they went out there and they had individually such a high level of talent that even if you know it was basically for Art Chaos is one of those European super teams. You know, they have all the best mm -hmm. Russian players. So the, you know, uh, Alexander Brionikov, he plays for Moscow Red Legion and has for years. He was the top gun from last year. Mm -hmm. He's on that team. One you know, of the so. best players I've ever watched play. Having the chance to play with him last year was just, it was awesome. It was fun to watch. You just watch, and I, that's the best word, is it's fun to watch him play. Yeah. You know, he just uses the entire field. His vision and, and the, the moves he makes are great. Well, there, there's so much to talk about, but it, I kind of want to pick your brain on a lot of things. But while we're talking about Moscow Red Legion, what do you think is the issue with them? Because if you watch, if you go back and watch the, the relegation game that they play, because Moscow Red Legion, they're in the Challengers division in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to fight back to the Champions division. And that's really interesting because, and that's kind of the beauty of the new format is that. Absolutely. You know, you, you, anyone, can, anyone can, can go, go down, down and anyone can come, come anyone up. Anyone can come up, you know, and it, so it makes every game very important and it makes every game exciting because there's a lot on the line. And Absolutely. It's like anything with sports, you know, the more that's on the line, the more entertaining it's going to be because if you know what's at, what's at stake, then you know what these guys are fighting for. And, uh, and with the Russians, you know, when they played the Tauntauns, who I want to talk about too, um, it, it, the Russians just don't seem, you know, talking about weapons, they don't seem to have a ton of weapons anymore. Because in that final, they had uh, Michael Kovar, who I thought played the snake well, mm -hmm. for in, or not in that final game. It was their final game, but it wasn't the finals game. It, but it was their game to see, you know, who was going to go down to the champion or the challengers division. Was it going to be the Tauntauns or, the, or Moscow? Mm -hmm. And it ended up being Moscow. And they just didn't seem to have an answer, you know, for the Tauntauns. It was a super close match. It was a very, it was like uh, six four was in. All of their matches were close. I, I mean, the Russians they got relegated, but all their matches against Heat, Dynasty, they're all one point games. I think with Dynasty, didn't they go into overtime? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, I mean, that could have went either way. I don't think they necessarily had a horrible tournament. Their record wasn't that good, and they did get relegated. But you know, like I said, they were close matches to these to these teams. But that's the thing. I you know, Kirill's good on the on the Drito side. He was launching some attacks. Mm -hmm. uh, Malloy, uh, Alexander Bernikov, he was all over the place. I mean, he was playing in the center. He was playing Drito side. He was playing snake side. He was kind of all over the place. I don't think he's had the year that he had last year either, though. Mm -hmm. um, sorry to sorry to cut you off. I just. Touching on that, I think. It, um, <laughs> Add in whatever you want. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is about us just having. If you are, uh, absolutely, argue absolutely, stuff I'll pops into my head. I'm <laughs> on it. Um, I, I think that obviously affects them because he was a huge part of our wins last year. Uh, I mean, a huge part. He pulled out so many games. Um, but another thing, I really think the coaching is is an issue. Um, ever since they lost their head coach Max, I felt that that team is just kind of headed in the wrong direction. Um, I'm still good friends with Jason Wheeler, obviously, and you know he kind of touched on the coaching and how he was being played out of position right before the event where they had been practicing all the way up to MAO, um, and he was being the first Dorito guy, playing what, you know really well, I guess, and uh, right before the first point, he had four pods on his back ready to be the one, and the coach was like, well, we're going to have you play the two behind... Uh, What's the new European kid's name? Kevin Klum. Yeah, him behind uh, Kevin. And, you know, I, I just don't necessarily think that you make those kind of calls right before an event's about to start, um, especially right before a game, you know. Yeah, it's interesting because I'd, I'd spoken with him. We actually did a little interview uh, on site on, uh, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, getting before the event. 
uh, before Mid-Atlantic Open, and, and he had said, yeah, we're grinding out here. They've been playing for like two weeks straight, mm-hmm. getting ready to roll because that's what they that's do. how the Russians do it. And, uh, and they did – and the reason why they were doing that was because they didn't want to happen what ended up happening yeah. anyway, you yeah. know, which is kind of a, just one of those sad stories. But you know, now it's going to make their fight out of the, the challengers division – that much more memorable if they can do it absolutely and and that's the the crazy thing though is you know excessive they got bumped down everyone thought you know well some people didn't think they would some people think they would you never know i mean everyone's entitled to their own opinion Mm -hmm. but you know they they haven't won a game this year and they're stuck in the challengers division again again, not one game all year they haven't won a game all year long that's tough yeah uh they're coming off of a transition from the nppl though um you would think you know they've They've been in the PSP in the past. You would think they would have figured it out by the second event, um, especially in the Challengers division. But, you know, the competition there is, is really high as well. And, you know, it just goes to show. Well, you know, I mean, just from my, from, from my experience and from my having seen a lot of paintball, and uh, because, you know, I, I got, I'm stuck in that tower calling all the games. So I'm forced to analyze what's going on out yeah, there. Absolutely. And I'm forced to watch every single point mm-hmm. of every single game. And I really think that there's, I wouldn't say re- revolution, but I think that you have to break things down by position. We've talked a lot about this before. And, it, and you know, we've also talked about, uh, you know, the, the ones, those first attackers, they set the tone for the entire game for the entire team because if you don't if you're not getting consistent it's a trickle down thing man if you're not getting consistent production out of your ones out of your first guys to go if they're getting in there they're getting shot early or they're not getting in there at all well that puts now a lot of pressure on the twos and the threes to not only do their job but have to fight on their heels because now they're probably down bodies and out of position big problem and so if you know when you look at excessive like they're not like Riley Sullivan's getting great penetration up the field but he's not getting a lot of production done when he's up there mm-hmm. and then they don't have you know and then Thomas same thing on the snake side of the field um, but they're just between they just don't seem to have depth in the in the one position and uh, because it's not like because they've been running you know like I think Riley's played every point for him this year at least the ones that we've started <laughs> on the, mm-hmm. on the, the main challenger field yeah. or the champion field so you know and it, it's just one of those situations where it's you know, with Jason Wheeler is that I think that, yeah, I mean, if you've been playing one pos- a position in practice the entire time and then all of a sudden the, the script gets flipped on you, then it's like, okay, well, now your mind's out of it a little bit because you've gotten used to doing a specific job. But, uh, but also it's, it's just one of those things that it's like you have to give guys reps. You have to give them um, solid information. They need to get into that position and then you need to play the right guys in the position. There, I think there's – you know, you have to kind of talk about that when you're coaching and building teams. Absolutely. You, know, you can't just like, oh, look at our roster. We're going to we're gonna be sick. No, man, you got to have, you have to have ones, twos, and threes. You have to have front guys, mid guys, and back guys, and you have to have them playing well off each other. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fundamental. It's like piecing, piecing together the puzzle, you know? Absolutely. That's what you got to do. Um, and again, uh, what I was going to say about the Russians, I, I think – a lot of their points, I remember watching one point against Dynasty, and this goes to where Dynasty has different players step up. It was when, I think it was a three or four on two, maybe even in the Russians' favor, and it was a big point. I think the game was tied. Um, and the Russians were all the way down on their side of the field. It was actually Pasha Lukashuk mm-hmm. uh, in their back center guy, and Yosh made that move to come and bunker him out of there and completely turn the field. Yeah. You know, uh, stuff like that you can't let happen. And then on the other hand, that's Yosh 
doing what he does and making a game opening move and stepping up in the right time it's when his team in needed those situations him. though i mean it, it's always tough because you want to point out the guy that if we've all been in those situations where you should win the point or mm-hmm. you're in a dominant position oh yeah and then somebody makes a good move i mean i've had multiple of those this year where we've dropped the ball so I, rich telford we have, we have an inside joke of, of regard, regarding that because in a practice, whatever it was, practice, game, tournament, whatever the situation was, and if uh, you know, if I wasn't, if I was, you know, Pavel, if I was Luke Shuk in mm-hmm. that in that situation, mm-hmm. and somebody made a good move and shot me out of there, and Rich would be like, "What? Well, what happened?" or something yeah. like that, and I'd be like, "Kid made a good move, man." What do you want me to do? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> so, yeah. But that's true, though. Uh-huh. Sometimes, I mean, yes, you're right. Like, we're both right in that situation. Yes, Rich is right. I should not let that mm-hmm. let, let that happen to me. <laughs> But sometimes, sometimes it happens. Yosh yeah, and run out exactly. To the and shoot a bunch it of happens. Guys. And but I mean, that's that's why Yosh is one of the best players in the game. So, you know, he takes advantage of those opportunities. It was a split second that Pasha looked the other way, and then Yosh's timing was just perfect. And that just comes from years of experience. And that's why he's so good. That is why he's so good. Yeah. But with the Russians, is that I just think another thing, and I don't know, you you probably can enlighten us a little bit more on the situation because you have been on the team and are more familiar with the structure and the vibe over there and the mentality. Um, so I guess a couple questions. Well, one thing, how do you think that you, if you were in that situation before last year, how do you think the structure of the organization would, would have handled something like that? You know, having to now go down to the challengers division and fight the way back. And then another thing, cause I, if, if I were advising the team, I'd say, look, dude, you guys, you just lost. Okay. We're coming off 2012. They just lost you who was arguably the best player last year, other than, Berenikov, who they still have, but you were the reason why you were so productive for that team is because you were always a thorn in the side of a team on that Dorito side of the field, and you were very consistent. You were productive. You know, you you played really well over there, so they could count on you. Again, you got to have somebody over there that you can consistently count on. Then on the snake side of the field, they had the dynamic duo of Jason Wheeler and Axel Godin, who I felt played very well together on that side of the field for the Moscow last year. So heading into 2013, not only did they lose their coach, their longtime coach, they also lose, you know, the second, the best American player, the highest ranked American player and the second ranked player in the world. And then they lose another, you know, top guy in Axel Godin. I I personally think Axel is Tauntaun at least one of their best players for sure, and he is playing really well. I think last year he was also a big part of, of the success. You know, He was a thorn in the side, always got into the 50s, wasn't scared, um, and I think he's maturing as a player. You know, So that, I think that definitely had a huge effect as well. So what I would say to him is I'd say I'd, the same thing almost that, I'm, that we say to you guys when we talk. You know, It's like, I, look, you guys got a, good, got a good thing going here. You're just going to have to continue to work to build it to be what you want it to be because it's not necessarily always going to be. I, I think they all went to the dungeon the afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> they all went back to Russia, went to the dungeon, straight yeah. to the dungeon. <laughs> I mean, getting flogged. Yeah. Getting, feeling, getting flogged in Iron Maiden. To the, uh, to the I can't Iron imagine. Iron. I'm, sure, I'm sure they're on an even tougher schedule now. Um, you know, they, they play and train Monday through Friday. It's paintball and then fitness. Um, yeah, what, for people that are unaware of how that program works, I think that, you know, we've definitely, there's been some media that, that has mm-hmm. covered it over the years, but in case somebody, you know, because that's kind of that mystique of the Russians, it's almost that Ivan Drago, you know, versus Rocky and Rocky Four, where, mm-hmm. you know, they're in some specialized location and just having scientists pour over their, <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. Pretty much um, like that. It's about right. Yeah. So 
as far as I mean, what is their their day to day over there? If you play on Moscow Religion and you're and you're Russian and you uh -huh. live over there, because it's different for the the imports. Of course, yeah. Um, the imports almost never go to Russia. I do believe they're flying them in now after this last one to spend. Uh, I think Jason was telling me they wanted them over there for about three weeks, something like that, which actually isn't long. They used to want them to come over and stay for three months, yeah. you know, a couple months at a time and just live there. But uh, and when what they, they first started, that wasn't even an option. When they, oh, it was when they first do or started, don't be on the team. Because I remember I, I was talking to Sergey in, at, when we were starting Excessive, mm -hmm. and, and he was at a clinic in Majorca. Out to, we were teaching a clinic, and he was there to scout players. And he came is up Sergey, the owner. Owner, yeah. Okay, yeah he not, came up to – this is when he was, like, way more hands-on mm -hmm. and involved. And he came up to me and Davey and, you know, tried to get us to go move to Russia to play for the team, which if I was, like, 18 again, might, be might okay, have thought about but, it. But, yeah. you know, I was like – Already kind of yeah. had the good thing going with excessive mm -hmm. and lived in the beach in San Diego, so yeah. didn't want Can't to go really to Moscow. That. But, but still, kind of a cool thing, you know. And there's mm -hmm. been some success stories over the years of guys that did do that, like Miko Hutoin, who played for the star on the Ironman, and you know he was he he did that. And but um, but they haven't required that for the past couple mm -hmm. years, mm -mm. you know. No, so uh, the Russian guys. They don't play on the weekends. They have a, a indoor facility, has the whole deal, has paintball field, has a gym, showers, I mean, you know, everything. Uh, and it's Monday through Friday. So I'm not sure what time they start, you know, probably seven in the morning, <laughs> something crazy early. Um, they play paintball and then go straight from paintball to fitness where they do a series of different tests. You know, they do 40 yard dash times. They do, you know, all sorts of stuff, push up tests, make sure everybody's in shape. And um, I, I think... That has been one of the best programs ever in paintball, and teams try to follow that. And, you know, if, if anything, what it does, it gets you in the mindset. You're so focused on your craft and what you're doing, you know, because you're constantly, whether you're playing paintball or working out for paintball, you're constantly thinking about your sport and what you do. So, I mean, that's, that's their day-to-day, -day, Monday through Friday, and then they have the weekends off. That's their, you know, time to go do whatever they want. Um, up until about two weeks before the event, they fly over to the states and go to practice monday through friday same thing um and yeah so it's like a regular job yeah absolutely full-time job and so if if the russians normally if their meetings are normally like three hours long when you guys are doing <laughs> well how long do you think the meetings were after <laughs> no, it was a full day the whole next day just a straight day <laughs> watching film yeah you know i i think every team should do that Watching film is one of the most important things. That is the meeting. You know, you don't have a bunch of guys saying what they think happened or what should have happened. You see it on film, you know. And instead of having guys be like, oh, no, man, I was, I was looking over you. You know, I was, I was only looked over for a second. You see it on the actual film and the dude's over there looking the other way for a good minute and a half. And you're like, dude, you're totally lying to me right now, you know. And it may not even be lying. I truly believe there's time dilation you know, when you're playing something that is only five seconds feels. Well, that's so, that's so true because, you know, if, because think about it, man, if you have a situation where uh, there was a really cool TV show, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was on like the science channel and it had, oh, it was called mind games. I think it was what it was called. Mm -hmm. And it was a, uh, it was an episode about memory and they did a whole, they basically like, they're like, you are about to watch a crime happen. See if you can remember as many details as possible. And then they show you. Uh, it was like in Central Park or in like a park in a big city and uh, and there's like a three-card money game going on and then there's a bunch of people watching and on, that was a real crowd of people. It wasn't actors. Mm -hmm. The only actors were the people participating in the crime, like the person getting robbed and the people actually robbing. 
So then they had, you know, a dozen people or so that were watching this three card money game. And then all of a sudden they look over and here's this person's getting their bag stolen. And, uh, and this like girl comes up to argue with this guy and this girl's arguing with this guy and the guy's like, why are you arguing with me? And then somebody comes and steals his bag and then it's over. And then they ask you, okay, now you just watch the crime happen. Like, let's see how good your memory is. And they started kind of asking you questions like how many people were involved in this crime? What was he wearing? What was the, the suspected thief wearing? Like all these different questions. And then they die. And then the whole hour show is having all these people kind of recollect as to what they saw. Mm -hmm. And most people didn't know what the hell happened. I mean, even hmm. they're like, well, what was the what was the guy wearing? And they're like, oh, he had like a red jacket on and a baseball cap, and then like just it was just completely off, completely off. <laughs> off. Interesting. Yeah, and there was and then there was like one guy who had very good recollection of actually what specifically happened. He was very reliable. But then when they put him in a lineup and they put him wow. to choose the guy out of the lineup, he didn't even, he didn't choose the right guy. He chose wow. somebody wrong. So, and he was the only one out of like the whole group that really had like a super good handle on what that specific situation, like, what presented itself in that <laughs> situation. And he couldn't even get the guy yeah. right. You know, so it's kind of like one of those things that a lot of science is telling us that first person, you know, witnesses to things aren't actually really all that reliable because of what you just said is that, Absolutely. you know, so when that goes to paintball, I mean, you, you may be getting a meeting with your team and be like, because you may not have the luxury of getting your stuff filmed and or being on the webcast, so you get to watch a you know show of your with people telling you know talking about mm -hmm. what's happened out there. You you have to rely on your guys. Like, okay, well, did you get shot going out to the corner, or did you, did you die in your bunker? Oh man, I got shot running out there. Yeah, <laughs> and then you see he actually made it to his bunker, came out and got shot his first ball. Got, down owned, the wire. got owned in a gunfight. Yeah, exactly. Like Thirty exactly. seconds in. You know. Um, no, and you know I I. I do think that all the teams have the luxury, at least all the pro teams, of watching their film because of the webcast. Um, you know, I know we go back and Mouse and I every single night watch our games, you know, from the webcast, which is awesome that we're able to do that. And you can find things that went wrong and fix, you know, different problems. And I, I think that if any of the pro teams aren't doing that, then, you know, there's something there's something wrong. Because watching film is the best. It, you do it in every single sport. It points out your own mistakes and you could actually see what you need to improve on. Well, speaking to that then, what do you think that you've seen watching film on the Ironman? Like when you watch the film of your guys' game mm -hmm. so far this year, what are you seeing out there? I personally don't think our ones are setting the tone. Um, a lot of us don't shoot our guns. <laughs> I, I notice we uh, don't engage in the gun battles like we should be. You know, our team is really technically sound. We have a lot of good fundamental players that have been playing for a long time. And for some reason, we're not engaging in gun battles. We're not trying to really set the tone. We're more letting stuff come to us. And that's not the style that we want to play. That's not the style that fits us best. And that's not the style that's going to win for us. Do you feel that in practice, you play differently than you do in the tournament? Absolutely. For some reason, we get to the tournament and there's some discoordination in chemistry um, and some sort of added pressure that I think some of the guys may feel. And whatever it is, I, you know, we're trying to figure out a way to just lift that. I know that once this team wins together and we learn how to win together, we're going to be able to do it for a very long time. Well, how long – so what deficiencies are you – is it just kind of a – you know, because when you're – I totally agree with what all everything that you've said because from what I've seen – but I think that comes down to too much pressure because if you guys aren't engaging in gunfights in those games, that's a lack of pressure. And, you know, just like in a situation where 
Um, like I remember when I went to train jujitsu and I was rolling with a guy, good friend of mine, paintball player. And, uh, and we were kind of talking about, you know, the, the art of jujitsu. And I was like, well, you know, how do you think I did against you? Cause he's a purple belt and he trains all the time. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, actually it was pretty, you're pretty good, but your pressure is shit. And I was like, well, you know, I didn't really understand the, that, that concept in the context of it. And he, and then he's like, well, let me show you. And then he gets on top of me and it's just basically that, you know, every position that you're in, you're either making the guy bear the weight of your body, you're pushing literally on his, you know, like in certain situations, you know. So, Absolutely. And that's fundamentally crucial to, you know, you, again, putting pressure on him so that he physically feels your presence. Mm-hmm. So it gets him out of his game. So he's thinking consciously less about what he's now going to try to do to you and reacting, forced to react more to the things you're doing to him because physically there is more literal pressure on, on his body. It's the same thing in the game. Same thing in paintball. Same thing. 100%. You're, you know, that's why guys like Dave Bain have been able to make a career for so long Dave's not the smallest guy he's not the fastest guy but Dave Baines puts a lot of pressure on guys mm-hmm. he's very very good at that he's, mm-hmm. he's an active gunfighter and you know and he's in depending on the situation obviously but you know because he can definitely tone it back if he needs to and just hold a lane um, but that's obviously situational awareness and all of that's huge too but yeah when to exert that pressure and, and that's the thing I mean you're, you guys are kind of making it easier on these other teams you're playing Absolutely. by holding that pressure back where you could be thinking okay well hey we're staying alive in our bunkers which is also obviously really important but for the survivability I guess well, <laughs> well you know but that's like with some that that's the fine line of the art of the game the art of paintball is mm-hmm. that you have to be able to go out there and exert your will on the other team play to the game plan so you're not screwing somebody else's job they're supposed to do by you not doing your job and doing what you think you should be doing you have to be communicating so you have to be speaking and listening at the same time, which are both huge. Then also you have to have situational awareness of what the hell is going on inner point. So, okay, we lost two dudes off this side or we only lost one guy or, or what's the score? I mean, there's just so many different things that are you're processing at immediately, you know, and then also then reacting or um, not reacting because you don't want to be reacting out there. But that's, exactly. the, that's that fine line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I think that you guys are kind of making it easier on other teams because you aren't really... It, you know, you're not, you definitely are not dominating in the gunfight no. whatsoever. And, and after watching the webcast from our, our games at MAO, one of the things I told the guys was, you know, uh, a new motto for us, we need to be more active in our bunkers. Um, there's just way too much uh, of just sitting there not doing much, you know, where, where we're trying to communicate or, you know, just waiting to look for the move. Sometimes you just have to take the move. You know, uh, you have to apply the pressure. You have to put people in forcefully. You know, there's never going to be a huge opening, not not at this level, you know, especially not in the champions division. Yeah. Well, it's almost like you have to create those openings yeah. by exerting your mm-hmm. will in, in the gunfight and the moves. Yeah. You know, and that comes to the plan, you know, how much ground you're going to actually take, you know, on the break. that specific point. Mm-hmm. And then the choices that your guys make uh, within their bunkers. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, it's not a talent issue because talent-wise, you're as good as any other team. Absolutely. And, and it's hard. I've watched all of our games and really tried to point out, okay, there's got to be something that it is, just one thing, but it's almost impossible to do. It's all these little micro things that add up, and um, it's difficult. It's really difficult to, to watch that film and not be able to come up with much, you know, and go back to the guys. I'm like, I, I feel like we're close. The, I guess one thing I could say is like dynasty has different players that step up in the right time. I feel like 
we do the opposite at times and certain players myself included drop the ball at the worst possible time you know in situations where we have a have a point one um it's a big point to either put us up or even start out the match and you know i i think those kind of things eventually fix themselves i really do just the more that you play together as a team um and just more field time and tournament time with the guys and you know i think those those type of things like i said fix themselves you, you guys have been, or at least at the last event, you had Danny Park playing over mm-hmm. on the snake side in, in that one position a lot. I think that his game's come quite far. Oh, Is definitely. that something that you guys are going to continue to go with? Because if you play him in the front as that one, that means Mouse isn't playing in that exactly. one. Exactly. And I honestly, you know, I, I, you know, Mouse is just a great paintball player all around, but I, his strength is not playing the two. It you know, is not. He'll do it, not. he'll live, and he'll play it great, you know, but when he's the one in the snake, he can go shoot three or four people any game, <laughs> you know? So uh, I think we're going to utilize Danny more as a relief player to come off the bench and relief mouse of going in the snake one. And I think that's the right way to do it, you know? Um, Danny's playing very well. I think he has definitely come a long way. The biggest thing for him is being more active in his bunker. I notice a lot he got to the spots but doesn't apply any pressure. Mm-hmm. And... The thing I love about Danny is every time we've pointed something out, he looks at me in the eye, promises me that he's going to work on it and fix it, and then he does. So he's well aware of, you know, that's something he needs to work on. We've been doing a lot of technical um, drills this past weekend and the weekend before. Just him and I went out to Camp Pendleton and did a lot of drills where he would have to put me in and make a move into the snake and then gun battle with me from the snake. And by the end of the day, he was doing it really well. So... When you have kids that are willing to work like that and improve in the parts that they need to, it's a, it's a good thing. Well, to it's have. such a blessing to have somebody like that as opposed to, and this is so often it's a cliche. You know, we've mm-hmm. everyone's been involved in this, and and I think that we're maybe not every top player, but every guy who's kind of was successful at paintball. It's tough because in order to be really good at this, you got to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. But you you know, it's like, I mean, and we've you know, it's like. Like Anderson Silva, the greatest fighter on earth, had a front kick taught to him by Steven Seagal, and then he used that to to beat you know to to win a a fight. Yeah. And then and then people were like, yeah, well, I mean, he's been doing front kicks front kicks since he was five. Man, he he openly thanked Steven Seagal for teaching him that. And then you know that's basically like he, there's a documentary with him in it called Like Water, and you know that's one of those things is as somebody that's a master at something will take. You know, they'll take, uh, um, I wouldn't say criticism from, you don't, you're not going to take criticism for anyone, but they'll pick up anything they possibly can from anywhere they possibly can. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you want to be a sponge in life in general, Absolutely. But especially with your craft, you know, I mean, you never know where you're going to, you know, hear a concept you might be able to bring into your game or a new way of doing something that might be a little bit different than you did it before. And so when you have those younger guys who are, are that sponge, who are open to criticism and who are openly trying to work on their deficiencies and make them their strengths. That's, that's awesome because a lot of times, and I'm sure anyone listening to this that's on any team in the world has at least one guy on their team that's like this who you can't criticize at all. Every move they make was the move that should have been made in that situation, and they're incredibly hard to work with. And that They may be the best guy on the team, but they're maybe hard to work with because they, they will never find any fault in what they did in that situation because, you know, and obviously in that situation, they feel they made the right move, you know, mm-hmm. or they wouldn't have made that move. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just... 
it's one of, it's great to, to hear that that's how Danny's looking at it because hundred percent that know. he's like that. And he's always been like that. Uh, when I played with him on aftermath in 2009, that was one of my favorite things about him is he was just a sponge, wanted to learn, eager to listen. He didn't want to talk back and argue his point. Um, if he has something to say, he speaks up and you usually people listen cause he's not always arguing, you know, he doesn't always fight back with what we try to tell him. And, um, I think he, he took a little time off from paintball. And then when I heard he was getting back into it, I was like, man, you got to come out, you come try out. And he did and made the team and I love having him here. So did he take, like, was he playing at all any sort of paintball whatsoever before he, he came back out for the army? Cause that'd be pretty impressive to not pick up a gun for a couple years. He Pretty much didn't pick up a gun for a couple years, and last season I had him come out to a practice with Explicit to try to get him on my seven-man team, and uh, things just didn't work out with the owner. He played really well, I thought. Um, there were just some differences that, you know, it wasn't able to happen. And uh, I don't think he played the rest of the season. He played one tournament that season, and then, uh, but that was it. So essentially, no. And he pretty much did just pick up a gun and come out. I remember the first weekend, he was like, I, I really don't want to come out with you guys yet. I want to go get one weekend in by myself. And I was like, dude, just just come on out. You know, I already knew that we pretty much were going to grab him. You know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, and he came out, and he actually he played pretty well his first day. And like I said, just eager to learn. So glad to have him in the camp. Yeah, you definitely want as many guys like that as possible on oh, yeah. whatever team you're on because – you look at you look at all the best players in different sports. Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, even uh, LeBron constantly talks about how he's taken taken pieces of other people's game. Michael Jordan, Kobe, who's even one of his rivals, and he can admit that, you know. And he you piece together your own masterpiece, and um, it's very important to be open to doing those kind of things and learning from other people who have already done great things in whatever it is you're doing. Is that something that? you constantly do yourself uh 100%. I mean, and, oh not only that it just do you seek out you know do you listen to what these other guys are really good at whatever their discipline is and try to figure out the mindset behind the mastery all the time last year uh Berdnikov was a huge influence uh, i definitely took a lot from his game it was like i said it was fun to watch him uh even kirill kirill is a very disciplined team player and that really impressed me and kind of gave me a different outlook on on how to run things and he even kind of taught me how to be a better person. Like I, I genuinely think Kirill's a pretty good dude um, and he handles the team really well. He does a very good job with that. But yeah, all the time, you know, all the time. There's bits and pieces from all, a ton of players, you know, that I like to take. Well, who else on other teams over the years do you think? Because you've been on, you played on some other teams. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you started on the Ironman with a lot of legends in the sport mm -hmm. some of them aren't around anymore and then you you know went to infamous and aftermath i mean you've played and then you've played on some teams in europe i mean you've played on a lot of teams at this point yeah not a ton i mean you didn't wasn't completely ridiculous as far as it's not like you were going to a team every couple months but mm -hmm. you know you've definitely done some time on some really big teams yeah who else over the years has kind of helped uh, you know way? some big names oliver lang was a huge huge uh inspiration just growing up i always got to play against them with aftermath you know him and ryan were both people i looked up to still do you know still take things from them on and off the field um nikki cuba was like a big brother to me uh definitely took a lot from him as far as his gumption he's one of the most <laughs> he'll, he'll just never give up you know he's going to keep fighting till the end and uh, it was really cool to be around him when I was younger um, definitely take pieces from Alex Goldman I mean the kid's a monster when he's 
when he's in the zone and he's playing at his best, it's amazing to watch. You know, I mean, he does stuff on the field that I've never seen before. And he'll just go down and shoot five guys, and you're like, three people were shooting at you. How did you make that move, you know? Yeah. Um, Billy Wing, you know, there were some cool things that he did. He was a really smart player. I see some Billy in your game, actually. There's, yeah, that, yeah. The timing and the methodicalness uh -huh. sometimes in some Absolutely. Points. He was a very methodical player. And I remember he, he told me one time, you don't always have to go forward to attack. Sometimes you have to retreat to attack. And some people don't agree with that. Actually, a lot of people fight me on that. There's, but there's times where I'll make a move backwards, and then I'm able to go forward, and people don't understand it. But I, I, it works for me. And sometimes it creates opportunities that wouldn't have been there if you stayed in that spot where you're, you know, there's so much pressure on you. Um, so, yeah, I, there's tons of players. I'm probably leaving some out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, it's, well, you know, you, you've played with a lot of, of a lot of big guys over the years. Mm -hmm. But it is, it's always interesting to me to see where certain styles came from because you kind of definitely have, I think, your own style. It's not a, like a powerhouse style like a, like a mouse like Alex Goldman has. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not uh, Malloy's size, you're not Bernikoff's size, so you don't play the same game he plays. Uh, you know, I was to say there is, there's definitely some Oliver in your game too, um, but, but it is interesting to see, you know, really big name guys as they develop over the years kind of change their styles up. Mm -hmm. And then also, I mean, do you feel that your injuries have had anything to do with your tenacity right now in trying to be the best you can? And the span that you it, have? It absolutely did. Um, I've always had this type of mental tenacity, though. I, I've always been eager to be the best at whatever it is I'm doing. Um, I mean, we've talked about this before. It could be a game of Nintendo, and I'm just pissed if I lose, you know, and I'll sit there and play myself on expert mode, you know, and get beat so that next time my buddy's over, I, I don't lose. But uh, I don't know. I, the injury definitely helped me refocus myself and appreciate the sport of paintball even more than I did before because the chance that it could have been taken away from me forever was, you know, I mean, that's a scary thought. Something that you love, something that I've invested so much of my time and effort into just could have possibly been right out the window. Mm -hmm. um, definitely was eye-opening. So I, I do think it did. And then also, do you, I kind of want to, I know we've touched on this in previous podcasts before, but, you know, probably some people haven't really heard that story potentially, you know, because that was a big story coming at the beginning of last year. But mm -hmm. um, wh who inspires you as far as in other sports? You know, I mean, is it like I mean, Kobe Bryant? Kobe Bryant. Number one. That is that is my dude. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without Kobe. <laughs> no. Um, what is it about the way he plays basketball that inspires just you? Just his the mental paintball? toughness. His determination, his confidence. Um, he as well, you know, went and worked with Akeem Olajuwon to develop his inside game. You know, he, he does things that nobody else does. It's 4 o'clock in the morning and he's shooting basketballs. You know, like that's, that's just what he does. He loves his sport and he has become the best at it through hard work, dedication, and obviously talent. Um, and just to see that kind of success and see how he got there, it's just that's exactly what I want, and that's you know how I feel, and I really try to put a lot of his, um, you know, work ethic. It definitely inspires me, you know, at times when possibly things to be going bad. You're just keeping that mindset, like no, this we're gonna get this right. Things are gonna be good, and you know we're we're gonna do this. You know, take it upon yourself if you have to. Have you ever tried any uh, 
because a lot of top players in different sports do this, but any sort of um, visualization or meditation or sports psychology st- type stuff? Do you ever do you bring any of that to? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I I love to think about matches the night before, um, or even right before. I'll just sit there with my eyes closed and just visualize. Like if I know where I'm going, the first point I visualize actually going to the spot, coming out, shooting the guy that I want to shoot making my next move and running down the field and bunkering four people. So I, I definitely do that. And I think it helps because when you get into the position, it's you're just more comfortable when you're actually out there. If you run those plays through your mind over and over, when you're actually on the field, it's not a foreign idea. You know, it's, it's something that you've been thinking about and you're comfortable with. Hopefully you've done it at practice, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I absolutely do. I don't know. I wouldn't say meditation. Um, Necessarily, uh, I heard Phil. J- no, not Phil Jackson. Um, uh, Mike D'Antoni, coach of the Lakers, now makes them do some sort of silence before each game. And I know, and actually, Phil Jackson, yeah, the Zen master. Uh, yeah, well, definitely I mean, that's kind of a big, been a, you know, a more and more of a thing that a lot of people have started to. I, you know what I used to visualize? I mean, I didn't really. I definitely did some meditation, but not any like serious, serious meditation. But I used to visualize. Um, obviously the run out and the engagement, but I used to really visualize because it is where, like I would visualize where I wanted my paint to go, like where those ingoing, yeah. where the, my outgoing shots were going to be like I, that. Cause you know, when you run to a bunker and you have that frame in your mind of the opponent you're going to shoot at, depending on where it is that you have to 100%. go, percent. you know, I would yep. always visualize not necessarily just me shooting my gun in that bunker or shooting the guy. Like I would literally visualize like where I wanted the paint to go. You yeah, hundred percent, Matt. I actually didn't touch on that. I, I feel that's one of my sh- really strong points. I'll be in a bunker, maybe you know, forty yard line Dorito, shooting down the tape, or even tucked in, knowing that there's a guy in the center shooting a lane this way, and I can already visualize because I've done it so many times. I, I just visualize where he's at, and it's so easy for me to come out and just get that one ball on him. And you know that kind of stuff I think is really important. The fundamentals of being accurate and being technical are huge. And you know, back to Danny Park, that's something that he recognized he needs to really work on, and and he is. Um, and all you players out there, if you guys aren't working on your fundamentals each and every weekend, then you're just simply not going to be as good as you want to be. Yeah. So I'm here with Marcelo Margot from the Los Angeles Ironman. And he was almost a Top Gun title holder last year, lost at the last event. And uh, this is up end of part one. Stick around for part two. I want to talk about uh, your knee injury and the mindset that that kind of instilled in you to get back to the top of the game. I want to talk a little bit more about fundamentals and then cool. uh, continue to break down some more of the players. Make sure to mark your calendars for the Chicago PSP Open webcast. It's going to be June 21st through the 23rd. Can't wait for that. Oh, it's going to be great. There's some good matchups. I can't even wait. It's going to be a fun one. Definitely don't miss it. Yeah, I mean, it can, you know, is Moscow going to be able to fight out of the Challengers division? Can 187 play well enough to stick Mm -hmm. around or maybe even start, you know, charging up the ranks? We see Dynasty in the the prelims, which which is awesome not to see him Sunday morning, right? It's going to be crazy. So we'll be right back. The Real Deal Podcast with Matty Marshall. Check out paintballaxis.com. And thanks to ansgear.com. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.